Good morning. This is Sports Psychology Today, and I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our podcast show is heard all around the country, and I've been a sports psychologist for 37 years on the radio in Kansas City for 27 years. And enjoy doing this podcast each week because we talk about issues that are in the news, issues that I think people can learn from and grow from. Obviously, as of late, one of the big stories has been the scenario with USA Gymnastics and the team physician, Dr. Larry Nassar, who's now going to be in jail for the rest of his life for the tremendous atrocities he's committed on young girls. But this isn't the first time this has been going on. This has been happening for a long time in sports and sports involving young girls. There have been all kinds of abuses going on by coaches, by people associated with teams. As a sports psychologist in practice for as long as I have been, I've dealt with this in many situations. And unfortunately, it happens more often than we know. One of the problems I've found with this is that a lot of people are afraid to speak up. Whether it's a parent, whether it's an athlete, they don't want to say anything. We're seeing that now in all these young women who've come forward and spoken in the courtroom, looking Nasser in the eye and telling him what a despicable individual he is. And a lot of parents knew about this but didn't want to say anything or didn't want to believe it because, well, he's the team doctor. He wouldn't be doing anything he shouldn't be doing. Or if I say anything, it might curtail my daughter's dream of making the Olympic team or the national team. Fear, the fear of speaking up, the fear of expressing yourself has been a problem for many people in youth sports when it comes to abuse because they start to look at the long-term picture of fame and fortune and they think that may be taking over more so their thoughts than what's going on now. Today, I'm privileged to be talking to Joan Ryan. She is an award-winning author and journalist. She's the author of a book entitled Little Girls in Pretty Boxes. It's a book she wrote over 20 years ago that I've had in my office and I've referred to for years. It's about figure skaters and gymnasts and the problems that they encounter. Joan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Thanks for having me on. You know, this problem we're seeing today, you essentially talked about in your book over 20 years ago. It's gone on for years, and now it's come to the forefront. Your book, which I think was awesome because it addressed these issues head on, is something that I've referred to, as I said, for years with clients. I've shown it to people, and I said, you've got to read this book. How did that book come about, and why do you think this problem is just now really coming to prominence? The book came about, I was working at the time at the San Francisco Examiner, and it was, I don't know, I probably started like around 1991 or so, looking at the 92 Olympics, and my sports editor and I were sort of brainstorming, and, and um, I suggested we do a story about sports in which girls can be the best in the world before they can even drive a car, and that just doesn't happen um, in male sports. They have to go through puberty in order to be the best in the world at their sport. So I did a series of stories looking at swimming, diving, tennis, gymnastics, and figure skating. And when it came out, it was clear that gymnastics in particular, but also figure skating, stood out among the other sports, you know, especially because of um, sort of the femininity issue there, that there was a comfort level, I think, with the general public, public, especially, you know, back in the 
early 90s, um, I think it's still true today to a certain extent, that people are comfortable with female athletes that are all prettied up, um, that look like little girls, that have sparkles in their hair and um, and leotards on or, or, you know, these beautiful little dresses that the figure skaters wear. So the book looked at um, that issue, why why is it that these girls are so, these athletes are so venerated? Mostly the book, as you suggested, was about the, the legal, even celebrated child abuse, frankly, that goes into producing Olympic athletes in these two sports, but particularly gymnastics. You know, this has been an issue that's gone on for years, but it's been swept under the rug, and now this whole situation has brought it to the forefront. One of the things that I found is is there's a word that seems to come out with all these people, and it's the word fear. Fear of speaking up, fear of saying anything, fear of exposing anyone. From what you found out in, in your book, which just hit it right on the head, why do you think so many parents – were afraid to listen to their daughters or, or say anything? Well, one thing, you know, just focusing on gymnastics, it's a very, very small world um, at the elite level. And, you know, and just to be clear, I don't think there's anything wrong with gymnastics as a sport. I think it's a wonderful sport um, that really works the all-around body, you know, when you're young. It's just when you get to the elite level, it, it becomes fairly warped and twisted and really ripe for abuse. So just to clarify that. Um, so what happens when you get to that level is that you're in a culture that is so specific and so small and so isolated that the abnormal practices and behavior that goes on in that culture starts to become normal to those people that are in it. And the parents are, are part of that. And so these parents who know nothing about gymnastics, you know, walk into this foreign land and look around them. And, you know, as you referenced, these coaches, if you don't go along 100% with their program, you're out. And there's, you know, there's only a handful of coaches who have produced um, a good number of the Olympic gold medals. Bella Caroli, the famed um, Romanian coach, is one of them. So if, if you're a parent, and you don't put up with his abuse, with his demands, you're out. And all of the time and work and sweat that your daughter has, and money on your, <laughs> on your part as a parent have put into this sport is over. And the other point I, I, I do want to make is that, you know, even though these gymnasts are very, very young, they're extraordinary people, as you well know, Dr. Jacobs, you work with them. They are driven. You know, you cannot make someone do what they do unless they are internally driven to do this. And so the parents start out basically following their daughter's lead, and then they get so invested in it as well, and it's this unhealthy, enmeshed, relationship with the coach, the parent, and the child that too often ends up being very, very unhealthy. 
why for do you, the child. Joan, why do you think in your research that you've done that so many parents are scared to speak up? They, do they put these coaches on a, on a pedestal that whatever they say or do has to be right, or the, the team officials for that matter? Because let's face it, Nasser wasn't a coach. He was a doctor. Do they put these people on such pedestals? That they're the parents are just afraid to say anything because oh well you must be right you know what you're doing. Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, as I said, these these parents don't know anything about gymnastics. You know, it's their daughters that love gymnastics, and all of a sudden the parents find themselves in this, and they're working with a coach who has actually had Olympic caliber gymnasts, gold medalists, and so you know who are they? to question this coach, and as I said, if they do question him, they're out. So there is fear, and their daughters often don't want the parents to say anything. But here's the deal with that. <laughs> and, and this is the analogy I always use, that, you know, my, when my son was 10 or 12 years old, he wanted to drive a car. He loved cars. He wanted to drive a car. He was driven to drive a car. <laughs> I'm not going to let him drive a car because I'm the parent. I'm the adult. And that's dangerous. So that's not going to happen. So the parent's role is still to be the adult in the room and to be the advocate for their child, not for that coach or for USAG. Well, I think we've seen a shift now because of this entire situation to where there's going to be better education. And I think this whole fear factor has to be addressed. A, you know, in our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes to Youth Sports, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. You can't be scared to fail. And a lot of parents I have seen in my practice of 37 years are scared that their kids are going to fail and not make it to their goals. And oftentimes I've had parents come in and talk to me about things that the coaches will say to their kids, and I'll go, how can you allow your child to be coached by that person? Well, They've got a great reputation, or they've done this or that, and I go, well, wait a minute. Morally, ethically, psychologically, emotionally, do you agree with this? And it's amazing that some parents will say, well, I trust them. You trust them to be verbally abusive with your child. I don't think that's right. You know, and some people mm-hmm. don't come back and see me anymore. Some people end up making decisions. It, this, this, this has gone on for years. It's not just gymnastics. It's in, it's in all sports. But we mm-hmm. talk in our book about, we call it, Joan, the athletic box, where you have the coach, the parent, the official, and the athlete. And the coach, parent, and official all direct everything they do towards the athlete. But as the parent, it's up to you to make the decision about what's right or wrong for your child. If you feel a coach is doing things that goes beyond mental toughness and mental abuse, you have to speak up, you have to say something, and you have to sometimes take your child out of that event or that sport or that being coached by that person. Do you agree? Yeah, there's a real responsibility on the Federation, too, because just as as we can't trust the coaches, you know, we can't trust the parents, as, as we know, because they get caught in this really weird subculture. So USAG really needs, and the USOC overseeing USA Gymnastics, they really need to monitor put in major reforms. Of course, I say this as I'm thinking. I say this. They did that after my book came out, too, and we we saw where that came from and where that led to. 
Um, where where did it lead to? Tell, tell our listeners where, where what happened. Well, obviously nothing. You know, I mean, I let's see. The book came out in '95, and then in 2000, we put out a new edition with a chapter that went into how USAG responded, and you know they put out, you know, Nancy sees Marshall. She was hired by USAG to, um, you know, to put out this manual that went out to all the parents and all the coaches. They were going to do, you know, they were doing accreditation for coaches. There were all these um, reforms that were laid out, you know, which is all well and good. But here's the problem, and here's the problem they still face, is who's going into those individual gyms and monitoring what's happening inside those walls. And that's where the abuse takes place, and that goes to exactly what we're talking about, is that if you have a coach who's still abusive to his gymnast, and the gymnast and the parents are enthralled to this coach, are they going to report it to USAG? Are they going to say anything? Of course not. Because it does go to that fear. Of course not. So it's very, very difficult for me to envision how these reforms are going to be enforced. Well, I think this issue of fear, which I've referred to several times, has got to be addressed. There cannot be a fear of speaking up if you feel something is going wrong. Now, I I always talk, and I've, I've discussed this for years on my weekly radio show, that people need to have a preseason meeting. When you sign your son or daughter up for an activity or a sport, there needs to be a meeting with the coach or the or the team understand the rules understand the parameters understand the guidelines understand the ethics if as a parent you do not agree with something that's going on you need to speak up and then you need to make a decision should we or should we not be in this sport should we or should we not be coached by this individual and in the end it comes down to the parents making the decisions because let's face it seven or eight year old girls or boys are not going to be able to make those decisions. It's up to you as a parent. But some people, I think, mm-hmm. Joan, are enamored with, you know, the, the, the p- potential fame and the rewards that these people will sometimes tell them that can happen. And you and I both know there mm-hmm. are coaches out there right now who are coaching who, who have been guilty of tremendous negative things, abusive things verbally and physically with, with young people, but they still coach because they've been able to get by because they've had other people who've accomplished you know, their aspirations. So a lot of people don't want to pay attention to the negatives. They just want to look at the accolades that could happen. Right. No, I, I mean, I agree. And I think, you know, at seven or eight years old, it's, you know, it's generally a pretty healthy sport. But when it gets to the elite level and there's, you know, everybody has so much at stake at that point, it, it, it really is very, very difficult to stand up and say, I've put all this in, I can see the finish line, and now I'm going to jump off. Now I'm going to speak up and ruin it all. It's a, it's a tough thing. I mean, it, 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 it truly is, and I don't want to minimize you just, excuse me, you just how hit tough it right, that is. You just hit it right on the head. They've spent all this time and energy and money up to this point, and they don't want to ruin it now. You just, I think mm-hmm. you just hit it right on the head. And it's interesting. If you sit down as a parent and – Add up all the money you've spent. Does it end up being more than you would be spending for tuition? You know, and, and let's face it, you can get more scholarships academically than you can athletically all across the board. But the fact of the matter is, 
it's it's the idea of fame and fortune and notoriety and you know all of this that that I think blinds some people, and I think not with all the parents of these young women who've come forward and, and confronted Nasser, but but several of them have said, I didn't see it or I didn't want to see it. I think a lot of them did not want to see it because of what you just said. Right. I, I think there is that. And again, you know, I, I would talk to parents, you know, after the fact and say, you know, I really was like an insane person at that point and admit that, okay, you know, this isn't the healthiest thing. You know, my daughter is being yelled at and this, maybe I should be stepping in. But then they can look around them and say, well, but there are parents that are a lot worse than I am. You know, so it's this, it's this yardstick that is so warped and twisted, but when you're in it, you don't see it anymore. And, and that's why, you know, I do have some empathy for these parents trying to navigate this. And, you know, sometimes it is the fame and fortune, but a lot of it is that, you know, these young women and girls really, truly love their sport. And that love and that drive gets so exploited by these coaches because these girls really are willing to do anything to succeed at this sport because they, they're so driven and they've loved it so much. You know, I have a couple of sayings I want to share with you. One is a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach. It's about the athlete. And the other is a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a sports psychologist. And <laughs> yeah, it, but, but it's true. And, and I've unfortunately, in, over these 37 years of work, I have encountered a lot of coaches at a lot of levels who – put their egos ahead of the kids, put their egos ahead of everything. And, you know, the verbal abuse that they throw on these kids, it, it, it's, it's, it's scary. It's scary. I've seen so much of this go on. And it doesn't matter what the sport. It doesn't matter what the sex. It's boys and girls. But, you, you know, you said something that's very, very important to, to reemphasize. Gymnastics is a beautiful sport. And the love these young girls have of it, getting involved, it's, 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 it's an awesome sport. But as they move up the ladder, the attrition rate happens. And let's face it, seven, eight-year-olds who start, if you want to get to the elite level by the time you're 13, 14, 15, there aren't many of them left. And the ones that are left have typically encountered some kind of injury along the way, if not several. They've had to overcome a lot of disagreements with, with coaches about training and things like that. But they'll trust their coaches and they'll work with them. And the parents will have spent thousands of dollars on coaching and on traveling to competitions around the country. So there's a big financial and emotional investment that's been put into this. And I've had many, many girls that I've worked with over the years who have come to a point where they've said, Dr. Jacobs, I, I think I've got to quit. I think it's time. But, you know, my parents want me to keep doing it. My coach thinks I can still do it. I said, but what do you, what do you want? And I'll oftentimes meet with the parents and the athlete, and oftentimes the coach will come too, because there are several coaches I work with in the Kansas City area who are awesome, awesome coaches. They don't care yeah. about themselves. They care about these kids. And they'll say, you know what? If you want to quit, quit. It's fine. It's not about me. It's about you. You need to be happy. That's what it should come down to. But unfortunately, uh -huh. what I'm finding is too many coaches put their egos involved with it. Too many parents let their pride get involved with it. 
and then these problems continue. I mean, do you agree with that? Well, here's, you know, to that point, what USA Gymnastics and the USOC has to face and what they were facing when I wrote my book um, in 1995 is that in order to win gold medals at the Olympics, the training is rigorous to harsh. (laughs) And that has been a successful formula to producing gold medalists. Now, what they have to weigh is, if we really reform elite gymnastics in the United States and, and take the lead internationally to show this is what this sport really ought to have as its priority, is the health, mental and physical health of, of these girls and young women, we might not win as many gold medals. I mean, we likely won't win as many gold medals. So that's what they're facing because the 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 charter of the you know the the whole point of the USOC is to win gold medals and they're overseeing USA gymnastics and their goal is to win gold medals even though they say their priority is the you know the health of the gymnasts it hasn't been we know that is the american public willing to put the prior to put the mental and physical health of these girls and young women over winning gold medals. They haven't so far. Why do you think that is? Because we like gold medals and we don't want to look. I mean, my book was about the girls who didn't win the gold medals. It was about all the bodies on the side of the path on the way to the gym, to the Olympics, to the gold medal. We don't want to see the stack of bodies along the path. We only want to see those five or six girls who, you know, have their arms up with the bouquets of flowers and the, and the gold medal around their neck. That's well, all we want to see. Well, see, then USA, so, then, excuse me, but USA Gymnastics is screwed up because the Olympic creed and motto is this. The creed is the most important thing in the Olympic Games is not to win but to take part. Just as the most important well, thing in know. life is not the triumph, but the struggle. The essential thing is not to have conquered, but to have fought well. Well, we know that hasn't been true. Well, right, but since that's the Olympics started. Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be about. I mean, I I was the I Olympic know. cycling team team psychologist in the eighties. In nineteen eighty four, we won nine medals and hadn't won any in seventy two years. And there are a lot of reasons why we accomplished what we did. But a lot of it was because these guys, and, and men and women, gave it their all. They gave it everything they had. And I know several who I work with who didn't win medals, but they made it to the Olympics. And, and you know, they were disappointed they, they did not win a medal, but they also knew they gave it everything they had, and it was the experience that they loved. It's about it's about the competition. It's about what you learn. And, and, and that's what sports is. You know, my definition, Joan, of winning is about not coming in first place. But a winner is someone who goes out and gives it their best effort and tries to do their best. I always say you can have 10,000 people run a 5K road race. All 10,000 people can be winners if they all ran their best time. One, you know, There's going to be one person who will come in first place. But if everybody improved, they all won. But unfortunately, we don't look at it that way in our society. To us, it's about being number one, being number one, and the medal count in the Olympics. It's not about that. It's about the experience and what you learn and grow from. And I think, unfortunately... Well, I think for a child, that's true. I think as an adult, like, you know, the Super Bowl, 
um, is today, you know, as we're speaking, the Super Bowl, it's not about the experience, you know, but, but, and that's, uh, to me, that's all well and good. I mean, that's, that's absolutely fine. I mean, that's your job. You're supposed to do that. But they're adults making a choice. You know, my issue is that, you know, in gymnastics, in, to a certain extent, figure skating and, and swimming and some other sports, we're talking about athletes, elite athletes that are still children. And I do think there needs to be a different um, metric for that than there are for full-grown athletes who have made a choice on what winning means to them. And whatever they want to do to their bodies, you know, that's their choice. But children don't have that choice. Figure skating, gymnastics, and diving are subjective sports. And unfortunately, success and or failure is determined by somebody's opinion of what you do. And that's why I try to emphasize to the young people I work with, do you feel you did your best today? Do you feel you did the best you could today? Not that there's not more you can do, but did you do what you think you could do? If you did, what did you learn from that? I always tell athletes to focus on their effort and execution, not on the result. Ask yourself, what did I do? If I didn't do as good as I can, why didn't I? And how can I get better? And that's where coaching comes in. That's where parenting comes in. That's where communication comes in. Unfortunately, as you're, as you're emphasizing, we spend too much time focusing on the end result, the medals, the times, the scores, rather than the effort and the execution. And I think if we did that at this level with these young people, they would grow and get better and be healthier down the road. No, I agree. I just think that at the elite level of sports, you know, your goal is to win. You know, we we can't fool ourselves to think that that's not true. But I do think in the development of children, it does have to be on their mental and, and physical health. But, you know, when you're a, a basically a professional athlete, your goal is is no longer about your own personal development. It is about winning. I mean, that's that's why you do that. Right, no, but we're um, not but we're yeah. not talking about professional athletes here. We're talking about young girls in an amateur sport. And you're right. I mean, when it comes to the Super Bowl or the World Series or the NBA championship or the Stanley Cup, whatever it might be, the MLS Cup, it, it it's about who who comes in first place. And if you didn't, what's it going to take to get there? And it's about the end result. Ultimately, because you're going to lose your job or be fired or cut if you don't accomplish that down the road. But when it comes to this type of activity, gymnastics, which is a subjective sport, which involves so much about trust and communication and overcoming fear and accomplishing personal goals to get where you want to go. That's that to me is what it should be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. You know, the training has to be about the first priority has to be about the mental and physical health of these athletes, you know, especially because they're children. So before we wrap things up today, Joe, let let me ask you this question. You've, you've obviously been very well versed in this sport sport from your, your writing and research based on what you've known from the past and what we're seeing now. What has to be done in gymnastics to make it safer, to make it better, and to get this problem taken care of? You know, I wish I knew. I don't know. I really don't. Um, because I think the biggest hurdle still 
is that there's so many individual gyms and there's so little oversight. You know, who is the advocate for those athletes inside that gym? You know, who is watching out for the parent? You know, who's watching out to inter, um, intercede with the parents and that their relationship with their child and the coach? So I wish I was smart enough and, and um, informed enough to give you an answer, but I'm not. Um, I think it's a great step that the entire um, board of USAG resigned and that they have a new CEO and they need to bring fresh eyes and they need to have people there who don't have any agenda, who have no skin in the game and are really making decisions based on what is best for the athletes, not what is best for gym owners, coaches, or parents. I think you hit it on the head, and it, it, it is in the end about the athlete. It's about their well-being. It's about their emotional well-being, their physical well-being, and their development. And in the end, to me, it should be about this. It should be about having fun. You know, the winning and the losing, it's going to happen, but it should be about the experience and having fun and learning and growing. And I think that's what the, the, the main purpose and goal should be accomplishing goals, improving, getting better, but learning when you don't succeed how you can overcome that. And I think if, if we can focus on that and become make that the emphasis, the results will speak for themselves down the road. Joan Ryan, I want to thank you yeah. so, so much. This this has been great talking to you. I, like I said, I, I've had your book for years on in my office. I refer to it all the time, Little Girls in Pretty Boxes. It's, it's a, a great book. Um, and you hit it right on the head, you know, written over 20 years ago, and these problems still exist. So I, I hope the people involved in gymnastics take heed to what you wrote in there and start to listen and think about what's going on. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. How can people reach you if they'd like to get a hold of you, Joan? Um, my website is uh, joanryaninc.com. They can find um, contact info there. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today, and, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. That was a great interview with Joan Ryan. She really understands the issues that have been going on with gymnastics and youth sports. And her book, Little Girls in Pretty Boxes, which was written over 20 years ago, hit it on the head then. And the leaders of gymnastics probably should read that book now and realize what's going on. I hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. If you'd like to get copies of our show, you can go to winnersunlimited.com. And click on the podcast page. Our shows are podcasted there. If you'd like to reach me, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, my website, winnersunlimited.com. Send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Have a great day.